This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to our podcast introduction. Um, a new thing we're trying as a result of some software failure, which is um, which is creating some very strange situations where things that we're uh, broadcasting seem to disappear into black holes and all sorts of other stuff like that. Uh, Mark's still with me. Hi, Mark. Hi there, Chris. Um, being a bit tra- traumatic, isn't it? Uh, we've managed to talk for an hour and 45 minutes when we planned an hour-long show, and uh, then we lost the end of the, uh, the live broadcast because of some weird software problems. But hopefully at some point we'll be able to sort it out. But for the meantime, you'll get this wonderful introduction to the, the show, and then there'll be a, an outro, as, uh, as the industry people like to call it. Um, there'll be an outro later on where we'll talk about the things that we missed, and it won't take more than a couple of minutes of your time. But um, it's an enjoyable show anyway, wasn't it, Mark? It was good, because uh, there were some positive things to talk about regarding Crystal Palace for a change, and uh, it was nice to, uh, to look at the uh, uh, positive aspects of a good performance at West Ham. And our forthcoming game against uh, Peterborough. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, um, we're gonna have to sit here in silence for a while, so we're absolutely certain that the um, <laughs> what we've just recorded, recorded, because this is the second time we've done this. Um, but thank you very much for downloading the podcast. If you haven't done so already, and you use iTunes, please subscribe to it so we can rock it up those charts and make me happy. Give an old man a break. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks very much for downloading, and I hope you enjoy the following hour and 40 minutes, uh, followed by a lovely outro, and uh, when we'll speak to you again. Thank you. We want to hear from you right now. Call us on 0208 123 1646, or drop us an email, radio at homestale.net. Homestale Radio. Of all the unlikely heroes, it's Scannell, Ambrose, goal! Darren Ambrose for Crystal Palace, and that may do it! Flick goalwards, it's an own goal from Popovich! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Homesdale Radio, with me, your host, Chris Hambling, and with me today, it's Mark Ross. Hello, Mark. Evening, Chris. Evening, everyone tuning in. 
Yeah, uh, we were supposed to have uh, more people. We were supposed to have Aaron Mitchell and Albert Curley with us today. Uh, Aaron is having a family meal, you'll be pleased to know, and uh, and Albert is unwell. So, just me and Mark to take you through today, uh, the week's events, not the day's events. That's a ridiculous mistake already, Mark. Um, yeah, so it wouldn't be very interesting if we just talked about today. No, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you been up to anything exciting in the last week? Um... I wouldn't call it exciting, no. Standard run-of-the-mill stuff mm. one has to do, but uh, no, I wouldn't call it exciting. Uh, uh, plenty to uh, talk about, though, today, I think, regarding say, events we've had, at Palace. Yeah. We've had a long come down from the 4-0 win against Watford. It made the week seem that much sweeter, I think. Yeah, and was, uh, obviously we followed it with a fantastic display, which we were very unlucky not to win against West Ham. Yeah, I thought we were tremendous. Yeah, I really do. So, I mean... Well, obviously, we'd like to hear your opinions before we give you ours. Um, obviously, you can contact us in the normal ways. It's facebook.com forward slash whole radio. You can message us on there. Twitter.com uh, forward slash whole radio. Uh, use at whole radio in your message, and we'll pick that up. Uh, that's my responsibility, so don't expect me to pick it up quickly because I've got about 30 screens to look at today. Um, you can also uh, join, hopefully join some people in the chat room. Nick's not in there as normal, but um, I'm sure some of the other lads are in there. It's uh, wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Uh, you can give us a call during the show at any point. It's 0208-123-1646. Calls charged at your local rate and will come out of your bundle. Or you can email us. It's radio at homestyle.net. Oh, I need to, need to burp there. That's, uh, that's awkward. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyway, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Let it out. Let it out. It's going to be a loud one. I've stifled it for the minute. Um, obviously, we are going to talk about that West Ham Palace game. Uh, hopefully, a lot of you guys would have seen it on TV and would have seen what a good performance it was. But uh, but we're not just going to talk about that today. We're going to talk uh, about a few topics from the message boards. We're going to have a little chat about the. Inf- well, with a little bit of information that's come out about our new kit. Uh, we're going to have a little chat about the Carling Cup final, which was a very, very interesting and exciting game to watch. Uh, we'll have a chat about something that came up on the BBS. There was a debate over the merits of Johnny Parr and Dean Moxie, uh, who who should be playing left-back and what our options are on that left-hand side. Uh, we've also got um, a thread on the Homesdale, which was who should we get rid of in the summer? I mean, get rid is a bit of a dismissive term, but certainly the squad needs shaking up. Um, as I think Dougie said, we're about three or four players challenging at the right end of the table. So who who should we move move out to get players in is the question, really. Um, so, um, yeah. what else? We- I think oh, uh, also uh, we should talk Peter. about um, yeah the forthcoming game against Peterborough and also... Anybody got any opinions about Sam Allardyce and his post-match comments? Yeah. Yeah, we'll certainly be talking about Big Sam's um, sort of, should we say... Well, I'm not sure which game he was watching, but he certainly had something to say about... And say, Like you said earlier, Mark, uh, Dougie was a little bit more measured and accurate in his comments. But we'll, um, mm. yeah, we'll have a chat about that in a little while, I think. Um, so let's... Let's not delay any further. Well, I say delay. I'm slightly delaying while I get onto the right page. La, 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 la. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that new kit. Now, obviously, Mark, you and me were talking just before we came on air about that and about how you were saying you hadn't really heard too much about it. So if I give you the basic information that came out, I think it was uh, started on the BBS, and I think Steve Parrish confirmed it in a, in a post on the Homestale as well. And, and the basic message is that the, the kit we're going to have in, in the new for the new season it's going to be 
manufactured by a main manufacturer, but not from their range. So effectively, we can have the kit that we want. Um, but as a result, there's not going to be a manufacturer's logo on it. And there was just a, you know, a fairly low-key conversation on that. They eventually went on to talk of the badge again, but we'll, we'll keep clear of that really uh, in, in any real detail because, see, that's still very much up in the air at the moment as to how that's going to turn out. But in terms of the kit, well, Mark, what's your opinion on that, not having a, a manufacturer's logo? Well, I suppose the, the thing that immediately springs to mind is the fact that that gives us um, uh, more varied options in the, the kit that we choose because as... As we know, it's a it's a template kit, basically, isn't it? Mm. That, yeah, that yeah. we're offered. Uh, you know, you can have kit A, red and blue stripes; B, red and blue stripes; or C, red and blue stripes. And uh, <laughs> so, great options. But uh, I didn't. We were talking about it uh, just before we came on air, and I didn't realise that the that the style comes first, and then the colour comes second. Yeah. Well. So, uh, yeah. You know, do you want to explain that to everyone? Well, no. Basically, the 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 arrangement we have with. I think it's the Just Pro Sport Group who actually manage our club shop and our, our merchandise stuff. And the arrangement we have with, with them is they come to us with a set of templates. You know, obviously they know our club colours and what have you, but what they come, they come to us with three styles of kit. And they say, like you said, you can have kit A, kit B, or kit C. And they're effectively, well, you, you've seen in the last few years, they're variations on a theme. So uh, you can't. We, we the one kit where we went and changed it where we had the was our was our away kit last season with the you know with the sash obviously that that's we sold reasonably well on that in the end but i think we certainly well i think i think in terms of a financial decision it wasn't a great one um uh, a lot of people sort of say promise things if you like that they don't quite deliver and, and we're good at that as fans we say oh i'd definitely buy that kit if you did this then you know people don't so basically yeah i mean that's that's the overriding message is that we, we, we had a situation this time around where quite rightly the owners have listened to the fans who have said you know, we're not we're not massively keen on this we're not brilliant fans of just having these template kits where we can go around on the internet and see which team had it last season and you know our, our, our away kit this year is the same as Notts County's away kit last year and all that sort of stuff which I believe our away kit this year is the same as Notts County's the previous year so it doesn't quite feel like I can understand that. it doesn't feel like it's anything particularly personal to us and no. so I think it would, I think it would be nice uh, to even if it's just an experiment for for just next season to see how it would go because uh, I think um we touched on didn't we just before we came on air also about whether that would mean that the kit would become available in retail outlets. Mm, yeah, that's a question. I, I and the obviously answer. then we might, yeah, we don't know the answer, but obviously that might mean that we sell more kits, more shirts. I think. Uh, um, and uh, obviously that's a good thing for the club. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone's said that. Everyone mm-hmm. said that for years, haven't they? It's so frustrating walking around the shops and seeing Charlton and Millwall in South yeah, London and never that's... a Palace kit in there. So it'd be nice if we can end up in that situation. Certainly, I mean, obviously, there's not too much more to dwell on that. It'd be not interesting to see what the new kit looks like. But we've got to sort out the badge thing first. That's happening. Uh, if you listen to the wonderful Five Year Plan podcast, um, well, I won't spoil it for you. It's worth going going to listen to it. Steve Parish gave some sort of hints. On where very much where that's going, so um, yeah. <laughs> so once the new badge is sorted, we'll see a new badge on the new kit, and we'll see where we are. But I think overall, um, there's some interesting things happening, and I certainly think fans are being listened to 
uh, to a degree, and cer- certainly in terms of getting us a, a st- kit that's unique to the club and actually feels personal to the club, which I think is uh, the right way to go. Okay. Yeah, so if anyone's got any thoughts on the kit, mm. on that this new uh, kit with no manufacturer's logo, then why not give us a call, 0208 123 So what's up next, Chris? That's very professional, Mark. I like that. Oh, thank you, thank you. We do our best here. I didn't even tell you to do that. It was good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, let's have a quick chat about the Carling Cup final. You've got to watch that one. Um, Personally, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing Cardiff lose, particularly on penalties. There's a little bit of karmic justice going on there. I felt felt really good about that. Um, Although, I have to say, Charlie Adams' penalty made, made some of ours look good. I think that ball is actually still still travelling up somewhere. Thanks. But, um, I mean, look, if it wasn't for the fact that I had a pretty negative experience up at the uh, second leg, Cardiff, I uh, really didn't in- enjoy what happened before the game, and I really didn't enjoy the, you know, losing there. It was a bitter pill to swallow. So if it wasn't for that, I'd have been very um, complimentary to the, the lesser team for putting up such a good fight there, really. Uh, and... I tell you, if, if Liverpool had lost that, I would never have forgiven them. I didn't. I didn't like the experience of having to want Liverpool to win anything, but um, but certainly they made a right meal of that today. But yeah, there you go. It goes to show you. I mean, there's not some you know in a one-off game, there's not that big a gap um, between the sort of the, the, the championship and the, the supposed top of the Premiership. But um, well, how did you see that, Mark? Do you think Palace would have uh, would have gone one better than Cardiff? Well, it's funny you say that because I was sort of. Pretty much thinking what you were thinking, um, in sense that I didn't really particularly want Liverpool to win the cup, but I certainly didn't want Cardiff to win it by any means. And um, somehow, you know, it contrived to be a good game, and I think that that was helped by Cardiff scoring first mm. uh, rather than Liverpool. Um, and uh, Liverpool, as you say, managing to almost throw it away, and it was quite a nice bit of karma, as you say for Cardiff to f- know what it's like to go out on penalties. I don't know. I think I'd rather have lost in the semi than the final on yeah. penalties. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to lose at all. I don't know, really. But, uh, I think so. I mean, everyone was... talks talks about that day out at Wembley and what have you. But yeah. I'd be like, sick like... as a dog now, wouldn't yeah. you, if you was a yeah, Cardiff fan? But, uh, but yeah, yeah. But I have to say, um, I watched it and I thought, and after watching Palace yesterday, and it was a great display by, by Palace yesterday, and I watched the day and I, I thought... If that was us out there today, playing to the standard that we played yesterday, mm. or to some of our better games this season, you know, I wonder how we'd have got on. And I and I and I thought that you know, I mean, you know, uh, we didn't really lose to Cardiff except on penalties, did we? We uh, mm. sort of, you know, in a strange sort of way. And I thought, you know, based on what I saw yesterday, I think we probably could have given Liverpool a reasonable game. Cardiff yeah. did play well in spells, but uh, they just ran out of steam. But this, I don't know how they managed to get that equaliser. <laughs> 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 I mean, it was rubbish yeah. defending, really. But um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I didn't. Think, I didn't think. I thought Liverpool were pretty poor, really, and uh, lucky, really, in the end. Yeah, and as you say, that. the penalty, penalties. Well, I mean, however much rubbish people throw at the Palace boys for missing their penalties. All those multi-millionaires on there today, from mm. Gerard right, right, right through their team, yeah. fluffing their lines and Charlie Adam and so forth. Well, to be um, completely fair, Ger- Gerard's penalty was 
the one that I thought was brilliantly saved, but I mean, like I said, Charlie Adams' penalty was was something pretty special. <laughs> I think that's one of those that's going to be uh, replayed on YouTube again and again and again because it's just yeah, pretty hilarious. Yeah, I, mean, I was like, gee, mate, I was left with the the kind of feeling that in many ways we were uh, we were a penalty shootout away from winning that cup, just like Cardiff, because I just feel that the way we play, the way we're set up, we would have we would we would have given a much. Well, we'd have given a very strong count of ourselves against Liverpool, and Liverpool playing like that, I don't think would have beaten us. I really don't. Um, but I mean, it's easy to say that, isn't it? And it's sort yeah. of probably a bit harder in practice. But it's a real shame, real shame for us. I kind of feel, yeah, I say I kind of feel. Yeah, we like missed the boat, really, didn't we? We I did. Think we did. On that one, we had a chance and we blew it. But there, say la vie. That's Palace yeah, for you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, mate. Yeah. But um, at least we, at least we got there. We got got nearer than I ever thought we would. Well, certainly in in recent times. So it's, you know, maybe we can go one better next year. I don't know. And we um, had a much, we had a much tougher. Uh, had much tougher fixtures than Cardiff did as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they made, and they they you know made hard work of what they did. Uh, you know, a couple of their their games. Went to, I think I think four four or five of their games went to extra time. So, but there you go. Uh, it all counts for nothing in the end. The only team that anything counted for was Liverpool. And uh, nice to see the FA Cup remaining. Uh, you know, for the FA Cup, the uh, Carling Cup uh, remaining. Oh. Within, within an English club, I believe. Because I'm not massively keen on uh, an English cup competition sitting outside of the country it's for. You know, that's not a xenophobic... Going down that robe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not trying to be xenophobic. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people have a similar opinion where they don't really see why, you know, any, an English competition is open to a Welsh team. There is a Welsh league and Welsh cups, but there we are. Interesting. <laughs> But um, okay, Opening well, let's, let's... a can of worms. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But well, I think I've been influenced by reading Twitter and Facebook throughout the game. There's been a lot of a lot of that sort of stuff being being said. It's hard not to agree. Um, okay, well, obviously, if you don't agree with me, you think I'm being small-minded and ignorant. By all means, contact us and tell. <laughs> um, okay, mate. Right, look. Let's next, next thing we're going to talk about. Have a little chat about um, about this this Par and Moxie situation. Obviously, Moxie's been out injured for some time um promised very well he was effectively going to come back um but, but caught some sort of a bug saw the video with lenny lawrence talking about um that he would wouldn't be quite ready for for the game at west ham it proved but he should be back for the for the following week against peterborough so and, and the question is who would you pick at left back well that, let's let's deal with that question first mark who would you pick of those two at left back well uh, it has to be said uh uh, it looked like Parr has been struggling of late and has been sort of playing there because because Moxie's been injured and everyone would assume that when Moxie was fit that he would automatically replace Parr. Mm. But, uh, you know, because he's obviously had a long season, as we're all aware, and um, he had an absolute blinder. Stormer yesterday, I thought. I thought Jonathan Parr was, was on a par with <laughs> some of the... Uh, <laughs> Some of the other, uh, well, that was probably, I would say that was probably his best performance in a Palace show. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree and, with that. Yeah. Uh, and um, it would be hard to drop him and, and harsh to drop him on the basis of that performance, even if Moxie is fit. Uh, but that gets back to that sort of conversation about having two left-sided players on the left-hand side of the pitch as opposed mm. to having 
right-sided players playing on the left and vice versa, which I find quite irritating. And I, I think early in the season we did have a sort of um, a left-back uh, and left midfielder, um, naturally left-sided, in par and moxie. And uh, yeah. until Moxie got injured at, at Manchester United, I think it was, um, I thought it, it worked well. It gave uh, um, the left-back another outlet rather than having to cut in all the time he was able to use to go down the line. And uh, um, I think maybe that is the route to go down, but obviously mm. I, I think, uh, see them every week in training, but that's how I... Yeah. Uh, the, um, the sort of, uh, sort of uh, message in the, in the thread, it was actually started by Lewis Amigo, who's sort of active, active on both Home Cell and the BBS. Um, I know he's a regular listener as well, and and he quite rightly made the point that we started the season with Moxie as the left back and par in left midfield. And we'll touch on that later when we look at the lineup where we started against Peterborough at the start of the season. I will have a quick chat about that. But obviously, yeah, it was that way around. And and his suggestion is perhaps that it's time to look at swapping that over. And I know I know that was a source of great debate before the season started over whether Moxie Moxie's talents were more suited to an advanced role. So, I mean, I, I personally, well, as, as we discussed, Martin, as you just said, up until, up until that West Ham game, you're sort of thinking Jonathan Parr's played 65 consecutive matches and, and in all honesty, it's starting to show because he's, he's being sort of targeted by the opposition. They're sort of very much doubling up on that side and sort of putting him under pressure. Uh, and then to pull a performance like that out of the bag against West Ham, where he was just absolutely sensational. And, I mean, and defensively sensational, because we're used to seeing him sort of steam up and down the pitch. And if anything, he was the sort of weakest part of his game in, in, in that was, was his crossing, which is weird because, you know, he's at the start of the season, he, you know, he was, was looking a fantastic crosser. And we're thinking, you know, if he was a little bit weak defensively, but he'll, you know, improve. So it's weird how things work out, really. But, but I, I think accommodating both of them is going to be difficult. And, and the reason I say that is if you think about the, everyone's starting to pick up performances now, you know, Jedinak's starting to look like a really special player and, and KG's getting to grips with things and, and starting to play some nice football in the midfield. And Darren Ambrose is able to play 90 minutes, you know, now and then and, and, and starting to look much more dangerous. And then you're starting to think, oh, well, Johnny Williams is going to come back. We've got to accommodate him. And, you know, Glenn Murray's out of the team at the moment, but it'd be nice to see him back on on form. And then you start thinking, how the hell are we going to start getting all these people in? It's a nice problem, though, isn't it? I, I didn't see the thread on the BBS, um, mm. but what was the sort of consensus of opinion then about Par and Moxie or either or both or neither what was the sort of i think i mean there's, there's been very there was various various suggestions um sort of dave matt on bbs said let them fight out for the rest of the year and come next season Paul will start it right back and mocks it left back it's an interesting way of dealing with the situation of losing nathaniel klein um i think yeah um that's a whole new subject, isn't it? Who steps into Nathaniel Klein's Well, we'll probably talk about that in a minute when we talk about who we're going to lose in the summer. Um, and then there's, yeah, halfway line says, I agree with uh, Lewis Eagle, the left side would be protected. However, where does that leave Ambrose, which is what I was actually getting at? I suppose, uh, no, uh, sorry to interrupt. I, would, I mean, there is a, an argument for, I think Moxie can, is a good cross to the ball and... Um, and he has got a little bit of pace on him going mm. forward and a bit more, I think, than par. And um, I think if you, you could, you know, as you say, it's hard to accommodate everybody, but it's nice to have options. But you could give uh, Ambrose a more central role. Uh, 
behind a striker. Sort of like like where Chris Martin is playing that that sort of uh, position. Uh, not that I drop Chris Martin, but mm, uh, at the moment, but um, uh, something like that. But uh, there's got to be there's got to be sort of. I mean, the thing I noticed about when you take Ambrose off is. Um, didn't we had a free kick, didn't we, towards the end of the West Ham game, and mm. it was just it was just hopeless because there was no one on there was no one on pitch who could actually hit a dead ball. Mm. Uh, I don't think I don't think Garvin was on by then, and uh, I think Jednak took the free kick, and I yeah. just you know I mean my cat could have probably <laughs> done better job, but but I mean uh, he, he did have a, he had he did have a um, he did have a good game, Jednak. So I'm not going to sagging him off or anything. No, no, not at all. Right. But um. When you take when you take him out of the occasion, I mean, what was it? Three assists against Watford, mm. Ambrose. So you know, I always think that he is a bit of a luxury player, but he's a hard player to drop because he does have that little bit of quality from dead ball situations. So yeah, he's he's usually involved in in a lot of the good that we do. We're um, obviously we're starting to see that that Zaha is taking on that mantle now. Really, um, starting to be the sort of key player. I, I heard. Again, when I got back home from the game, um, as I as I often do when I've recorded the match when I'm at it, I, I sort of like to have a little watch back, uh, see you know see it from a. Cause you, you do get a better view watching it on the TV. There's no doubt about that. There's a lot of stuff you don't see when you're at the game, um, and we're not often on often on TV. So it's nice to sort of to have a little watch back. And I thought, well, they, sorry, they came up with a statistic: Wilf Zaha is obviously our top scorer, but was also has played in more games than any other player. Uh, and at 19 to be what is effectively our key player, well, that's you know, you know it's, it's impressive stuff. I have to say. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I, personally, the answer for me is, oh, hang on, we've got a call. Let me add this to the conference. Hello. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm not Good. too bad. Gutted here. Hello, How's mate. Yes. Hi. I'm just having a li- Hello, Mark. Just a little break from your schoolwork. Uh, I thought you two sounded a bit lonely, just the two of you. So I thought I'd <laughs> put my uh, tuppence worth in. Yeah, um, why not? I just wanted some clarification of some Palace fans. I, I thought I was having an acid trip yesterday at Upton Park. <laughs> <laughs> I saw lots of bubbles, which was a bit mm-hmm. loose in the other times, with this man that looked like a some hammerish thing walking about. Can you just confirm or deny that I saw this? Yeah, I'm afraid you <laughs> did see that, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'm all for having a bit of personality at a football match, but I'm not all for having bubbles and a, uh, and a sort of kiddies party yeah it did feel a little bit like a kiddies party and i it's not yeah. really the kind of atmosphere you want is it nick is that, is that the sort the of thing you have at school <laughs> what bubbles and bubbles and giant hammers yeah, yeah it's a bit like, yeah. bit like uh, another brick in the wall isn't it yeah. very good <laughs> for our older listeners um, now, the atmosphere from the west ham fans was rubbish wasn't it just they they pretty much sold every single seat and then well i think we we heard a small amount from uh, a group of them on the left on yeah. about four occasions and yeah. then right at the end of the game i think the people on the right had a little bit of a song about something but i mean it was yeah. i mean i know I, every set of away fans up and down the country always would always go oh that home support was quiet and we get the same issue at, at sellers with the Home support being a lot quieter than the away support, but that was it was odd. He had a really odd atmosphere yesterday. And on uh, the West Ham forums, they were blaming it on the amount of kids there because of the kids for a quid promotion. See what happens when we get the kids for the quid, and they those the kids don't shut up. They dance. They? Yeah, they, they dance. dance. They dance. Like they dance. Oh, they half yeah. away, don't they? 
Yeah, they make more noise than the rest of us put together. They're insane. Um, obviously, a different type of of a young fan you get at West Ham, I suppose. But yeah, very odd. I, um, very odd. I don't get too many away games, and um, the, the two away games I've been to Cardiff and West Ham, the, the atmosphere from the Palace fans has just been phenomenal mm. all the way through. And I, I yeah. think I wrote something in the thread earlier about you know, with an unbiased opinion. Do you think we've got the best away fans? In the division, perhaps it's it's a really difficult question to answer because you know as much as you say with an unbiased point of view, it's hard not to be biased. But from from being in the middle of it every single game, I mean, I basically I got the reason I'm I'm sort of doing every game this year is because of last season. I think it was the Ipswich game I went to went to a few, but I went to the Ipswich away game, and that really just. For me, that just summed up what we were all about. We hadn't won away in the league. We put, the team put on a great performance. Uh, sorry, we only won the one game away. Team put on a great performance, but we still lost. Um, and we went back to the, the pub. After. We had a brilliant time in the pub before and wandered down to the game. Like went the station pub. pub yeah, the station pub. Yeah. And we went yeah, back afterwards and just parted us on, on as if we'd won about 8-0. And it was just, you know, that's that's what our support was all about. And anything this year it's in a couple of occasions it's been a little bit bit less you know less good than it was last year but certainly there when you when you, if you when you look at the numbers we take and the noise that we make it, as a percentage of people who are making noise it's got to be pretty high um yeah. i see you know there's there's a way there's bigger away support out there you see the amount of people leads take uh well mill will bring a lot to us but that's about it but certainly you you know, see, uh, there, was, bring a lot. there were 36,000 at the Sheffield derby today yeah, that's impressive for, for a league one game. League one game, yeah. But but that's what I mean. There's 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 better away support in terms of numbers, certainly. But in terms of atmosphere and and passion, I don't see any myself. Yeah. Um. Moving on to something else in the game, we 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 were on the left, as it were, during the first half and the start of the second half. But mm. we had too many people in our rows. So three of us were kind of left in one seat, and my son got told off for standing in the aisles. So I said to the steward, "There's not enough room." Mm. And uh, Brentford, the steward, said, oh, well, hang on, I'll move you. And we got seats right smack behind the goal in the front row. And it, it really you can really sense the passion from the players, especially Paddy McCarthy, mm. really cheering everybody else up. You could hear everything he was saying. And it was just, it was just a different experience watching the football very close up. Yeah. And I, I was just so impressed with Gardner. Oh, what a player. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. everything. And it's... <laughs> When when you're that close and you can see the opposition player running towards the goal and it's almost as if you're in the goal as well, yeah. it's bloody scary. But they're just so calm. Yeah, I think Gardner. Do you so think calm. Gardner, uh, Nick? Do you reckon? I think Gardner's stepped his game up another notch, hasn't he? Because he yeah. was really good when he first came to us, and then he, he had that sort of fallout his contract agreement, and then he came back, and yeah. I think he started the season off a bit. A bit slowly for us, but he, he is he is really looking sharp now, and he's winning everything. Think, in the air. Yeah, we're a bit, a, bit, a bit worried at the beginning of the season because it almost felt like he was playing for us because he couldn't get anybody else. But now he's he's back with us again. I think the the benefits of him remaining fit are there there for all to see. Really, this is a guy yeah. who you know he got in in a few England squads and played one game for England when you know when yeah. he was a young lad. 
and he has got class. But he, he spent so many years just being, in, you know, playing a playing a few games and getting injured, and then coming back for a few games, and getting injured. And even when he first came to us on loan, he, he had a spell out injured as well. And however, however we've done it, however he's done it as well, and put the work in to get himself physically fit. You know, whether they give him a bit of time off training every now and then, I don't know. But he's playing game after game after game. He's not having to be left out at any point. And any footballer will tell you, you know, you, there's no real substitute for playing regular matches. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think we're reaping the benefits of him staying fit as well. Yeah, and um, and looking at the rest of the squad with with the players coming back that you were talking about just before I called in, uh, I remember having a conversation about the about this at the beginning of the season that we're, we've got a squad again almost. Mm. I just hope we're not pinning too much on on Williams returning, but but it's nice that we're mid table, so we yeah. we can afford to. Be a bit more adventurous. You know what? I think I think three three to four, four weeks ago when we were talking about the return of Williams and how it's going to be a huge thing, and everyone was saying, "Are oh, we putting too much pressure on?" and conceded, "Yes, we probably are," and all that sort of stuff. I think since then, Chris Martin has stepped up uh, several levels and is really, really performing well. And now, you're, yeah. it's, now it doesn't quite seem so vital. And that's not any disrespect to John Williams. And I expect when he does get back. Uh, and get back in the team, it'll, it'll very much make me eat my words on that. And I, you know, I, I, I do want him back, and I do want him featuring. But I think it's less of a looks like less of a, a panic than it perhaps did. You know, everyone was pinning yeah. their hopes on our season turning round. Well, actually, it's turned round through just hard work and, and putting in consistent performances. I, I went totally back. And, yeah, I tell you, I went back and looked at our, our recent sort of run of games, uh, where we've we think we've won like. I don't know, what game or the entire of February, something like that. But I went through and looked back and I was thinking, yeah, we should have won up at Middlesbrough, should have beaten Brighton, should have done it. Really unlucky not to win. And I was thinking we should have actually, Bristol if we got what we deserved, yeah, yeah, Bristol City, if we got what we actually deserved, in, in, just in my opinion, and obviously I am biased because I'm a Palace fan, but just in my opinion, if we'd got the result at the end of the game that we deserved, including West Ham, we'd have won about six or seven in a row. So the question is, we haven't lost them. Yeah, and that's absolutely it. Yeah. Um, while you're on, I'm going to ask this question now. I was going to ask it in the, the West Ham review, but we've sort of done started doing a bit of that, which is no no real problem. I'm quite happy to do it. But um, just just the question: if say Sam Baldock takes one of those chances in the second half, when you know one of the two chances I think that they had were of any real note, um, and we lose that game one nil. Do you think people would have started asking why the hell did we sit back in the second half? Because I haven't seen anyone say that. Um, possibly not because they 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 changed the way they played two or three times with the subs in that game, mm. and I think we did bloody well to to nullify those changes and and mm. be ready for those changes. I think Dougie had really done his homework. I know. I think I read a report today that Dougie was interested in Bulldog himself. Yeah, he was just priced out. And so he obviously knows a bit about him as a player. Um. Well, we, we still had our chances in the second half. I mean, we had that free kick yeah. at the end, which perhaps um, Ambrose would have made a better assist of than Jelinek. Yeah. But, um, no, I think we did all right. I, I wouldn't have complained too much. No. Okay, it, it was an away performance. We, we tried yeah. to get them on the break. I just, I just had you this know, gut. At gut. home, perhaps it would, would have been different. Yeah, we were no, playing at home. Point. But as an away match against the league leaders... 
you know, I think I think it yeah. was a good performance. I mean, it was fingernail stuff at the end, but yeah, yeah. No, that's a very. I think, I think, I, think, uh, I think our um, performances have picked up since the Carling Cup semi-final, haven't they? Really, mm. the actual performances. Yeah. You know, it's, it seems like that that kind of, if you like, weight or whatever of expectation is off the players now, and now well, it's sort of, yeah, pretty. We're pretty clear of the relegation zone. Not Can I just so. say on that subject of the yeah. Carling Cup karma? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to say. Yep, it that's, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. As, as we were talking about earlier, definitely felt very, very karmic to see them lose that lose out on penalties. I think. I think we had to we had to suffer that, and it's been it did hurt, and uh, yeah, and now they know how it feels. So happy days. And the cup was a distraction for us. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a nice distraction, but it definitely, but it certainly caused. Well, as I, as I've said on here before, I, I think from the very moment we drew Man United, uh, and then had to play Reading, you know, a couple of hours later on, I think that yeah. Reading game onwards, we we just we'd struggled to have any real affluency as an attacking force other than in the cup. But we picked up injuries as well, didn't we? Yeah, did, yeah. Uh, you know, through that, through that Carling Cup run, which yeah. didn't help yeah. our league form. Mm. Uh, one last thing before I go, because I do need to get back to these books if I'm going to get to bed before 3am, <laughs> is um, I was a little bit disappointed to see Sam had Allardyce's programme notes. He actually signed it, Big Sam. Oh, That's did he? almost as bad as Paul Lynn's calling himself the governor in my it book. It is. I thought his nickname was Big Fat Sam. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Just that mm. is a, little, a little insert, Big yeah. Fat Sam. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have a chat about... I, w- I was very disappointed with his post-match comments, as Marcus said earlier. Uh, and he also said something pre-match as well, relating back to that the comments Dougie made saying how disappointed he was that a man, you know, that a rookie manager would have said those things. It was yeah. disrespectful, and I proved him wrong. Blah 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 blah. Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, I hope that that Dougie's prepared a nice letter for Sam with some to statistics on on the game on Saturday, saying um, well, where did we sit? Yeah, did we sit back, Sam? Yeah, more shots on target, shots on goal. That's it. No bookings. No bookings. No. Oh, that was a horrible foul on par. Yeah, 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 yeah. there was. Um, what's his face? Well, by the uh, touchline. Gary O'Neill by the touchline, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, it was a bit disappointing because I saw a flash of red from the red referee's pocket before he actually uh, realised <laughs> was, that he had yeah, both cards in the same hand. Yeah, I know, we were all saying that as well. It was one of those where it, you kind of, well, no, there was no need for it. I, again, I was one of, that's one of the things I watched back on TV when I watched, when I watched the uh, recording of the game after, after I got back. And that's one of the things I very much looked for. And um, it was perhaps worse on TV than, than it saw at the game. It's just ridiculously late. And it was just frustration. He's just kicked out at him for no good reason. And, uh, and how were the uh, commentators told us? Were they, were they, um, did they say good things about us? They, do you know what they During were? The they, they were very, yeah, they were very, very respectful of, of how, well, they made it perfectly clear that they thought we were the better side in the first half. And they and they were you know very complimentary at the end of the game and uh, you know disagreed with with Allardyce's comments when he said that we'd part of the bus and this sort of first soon they went back to the studio and they said no that no, he's not quite right there and I I thought I thought it was good coverage from Sky of a game that I suppose for the neutral it probably wasn't tremendously exciting but for, certainly for me I thought I thought it was a really good you know one of the better nil nils I've seen in recent times I thought it was a really yeah, I good spoke, game. I spoke to a few people yesterday non non. Uh, 
Palace or West Ham fans, and uh, they they thoroughly enjoyed the game. They thought it was excellent match, excellent game of football. Anyway, um, they, on the subject of credit, so to give credit to West Ham, they weren't a hoofball team. They tried to play the ball around. Mm. I think they, you know, I think they, they they played quite nice football. Yeah, they did. I mean, obviously, when Carlton Cole came up, they were looking for that ball to him, and he he won won an awful lot. He, yeah, he's a very good player. There's a reason he was in England squads recently. Um, I think it's quite odd they're not starting with him, but I suppose it probably lends itself to that. That we've seen it before when you've got a lump up the top, it's quite lends itself to your defenders hitting a long ball, and he's trying to get rid of that tag. But when you've had success from that tag and you can't help your team is playing in a physical and direct way, you're not going to get rid of that tag, are you, Sam? But um, just a quick mention that. Uh, Doug uh, Tibbetts sent us an email. That's Dweeb on Homestale. Uh, he says, can I just mention the Johnny Parr thumbs up when he was injured at West, at West Spam? Yeah, um, in that incident you were talking about there, Nick, when, when Johnny Parr was yeah. down by Gary O'Neill, he was sort of lying on the floor in agony and he got a, a nice sort of load of singing from the Palace faithful. And whilst rolling around on the floor in agony, he gave us a nice thumbs up, which was good. Uh, got Is that like up. the uh, evil Knievel in The Simpsons? When he's crashed, and they get to say, Is he all right? The <laughs> <laughs> shaking hand comes up with a thumb, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, you've distracted me. Anyway, sorry, yeah. anyway, I need to go, boys. Yeah. All right. Cheers, mate. Take back, back to me, Bruce. Um, enjoy the rest of the show, and hopefully see you at Peter or a panel yeah. next week. Yeah. Take it yeah. No yeah. more, no yeah. more super white stripe, Chris. It's not good for your liver. <laughs> I saw that picture. Okay, Thunderbird, wasn't it? Cheers, buddy. <laughs> Take care. Bye, yeah, Nick. Bye now. Okay, that was uh, yeah. Thanks to Nick for that call there. I got through quite a lot of the stuff we were going to talk about, which has helped. Um, but if we just uh, take a little step back to the topics we were going to talk about before we go back and finish our discussion on West Ham and get to a couple of your uh, emails and messages that we've had. Um, the last little conversation we were going to have was about who we should get rid of in the summer. Now, as I said, getting rid of is a bit of a, a disrespectful way of putting it. So, I mean, how should we reshape the squad in the summer is perhaps a nicer way of putting it. Uh, the opening post, is, uh, if, we, if we start with that, was um, was obviously made on on Saturday. It says, today's performance was fantastic and we played some great stuff without uh, arguably two of our best players in Moxie and Williams. Uh, makes you think we could be a force next year with a couple of players, but who would you want to get rid of? Uh, who are the players who are not good enough to be in a team push the playoffs next year? Uh, now, obviously, the context of that is that uh, Dougie said, you know, we need it. We're, you know, we're three or four players short or challenging at the right end of the table. Uh, we've got some players who are out of contract. We've got some players who, you know, maybe aren't up to it. So there's, I'll, I'll take a few of the suggestions. Um, Dino77 said Calvin Andrew, David Wright, and possibly Garvin. Uh, my perspective on that is, is Calvin, I think, is out of contract at the end of the year, and I don't see any reason why we would keep him. Uh, it's not really worked out for him here. Uh, seems like a fantastic guy off the, you know, off the field, uh, and he's worked really, really hard whenever he's been picked. But he's just not, not cut it at this level, unfortunately. Uh, David Wright has got a new contract, I believe, so I don't think we'll be getting rid of him. Um, I, I, Jedinak and, and KG are going to be keeping him out for some time, so it'll be interesting to see how he's going to get back in the side. But, but certainly a, a player who was a first pick up until he uh, picked up an injury recently. So uh, I don't think there's too much negative to say about David Wright. Owen Garvin is obviously out of contract at the end of the year, turned down Brighton. Um, maybe that was to see out his deal, see out his deal and, and take his pick of the clubs in the summer. Uh, he's not been playing regularly. I've spoken to him, uh, well, player of the year last year, and um, 
he very he, he's one of those players who wants to play play every week, so he's not going to be happy. So I can't see him agreeing a new contract here unless unless he gets a role in the first team. So if I, if I can pick you up on that, Mark, uh, with Owen Garvin first, perhaps. Uh, do you yeah, see him having a yeah. th- first team role? Well, I was I was with you at the Player of the Year do uh, when we interviewed him, and uh, he was quite happy to fight for his place, as as you said, and and. Obviously, as everybody knows, he turned down Brighton to, to fight for his place. I just feel that he hasn't really been given the opportunity, and I, I don't really know what's sort of going on behind the scenes. Mm. But uh, I think he is, he is one of our more creative midfield players, of which we've got about two. And I think um, <laughs> that <laughs> I, th- I would like him to stay personally, but I agree with you. He's not going to put up with uh, 15 minutes here and there. And um, I don't. I don't know um, how you accommodate him in the team, to be quite honest, because uh, he is creative, but he, he does have his limitations. He hasn't got a lot of pace. Uh, he doesn't track well and tackle well, as everybody knows. But he he does have the eye for a pass, and uh, that's something we're sadly lacking in creativity-wise in the team. And I would like him to stay, but I have to say that I don't think he will stay. But that's just my own opinion. That's not anything that any I've spoken to or anything anyone yeah. anything anyone's told me as such. But no, uh, I'd agree. I, that's, I, I, I think, I think that there's definitely he's he, he's it's great to have a player like that in your squad. But uh, with the formation we play, you know, there's only really sort of place for one sort of creative midfield player. Well, in Doogie's eyes, by the way, he sets the team out. I think there's there is a place for him in the in the team. But mm. you know, against, we have to reshuffle um, against- the thing. Against Blackburn, he played in that advanced role that Chris Martin plays in, uh, just in yeah. the striker. And as, as I said at the time when we reviewed that, he did a really good job in that role. Um, and certainly, you know, certainly put himself forward as an option there. But with, with Martin being at the club at the moment, and obviously Johnny Williams coming back in there, uh, you can't really see uh, a regular future in that position either. So I think he's just perhaps run out of positions. In Things, yeah, I mean, it all. I mean, it's very difficult to know because I, I'd like us to sign Chris Martin, but Chris Martin is contracted to a Premier League club, mm. and they look very much like they'll stay up. And um, I don't, he seems to have. He seems to. I don't know. He he seems to. Have, I don't know. Well, the players that come to Palace seem to gel really well, and they, you know, they seem to love their time at the club. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's something unique about you know, uh, the setup at Palace, that, that when people come on loan, you think, oh, they're just here for, you know, a bit of match time and game time, and they don't really care whether they impress or not. They've just got to sort of get a few games under their belt, then go back to their parent club and, and try and get back into the team there. But they seem to, you know, they really look like they play with passion. And when Chris Martin scores, he looks like, you know, you know, like it really means a lot to him, and 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 it happens a lot with players who come on loan to Palace. And uh, but you know, as I say, he's contracted to a, a Premier League club, and I don't know what his his mm. financial deal is at, at Norwich, but it's probably more than we could uh, give him. Yeah, here at well, Palace. I suppose at the moment, yeah, you'd think he's probably going to having to take a wage cut if he does move. Uh, from from my perspective on that, I would suggest that um, Norwich staying in the Premier League. They've got obviously James Vaughan's sign for them and has been out injured pretty much all season and they still let Martin go so that for me tells and I know a lot of fa- their fans have said similar that, that Martin's while they're in the Premier League Martin's not going to really get a, a look in 
as such. Uh, and I know I was in the players' lounge with Aston a few weeks ago, and I know Aston sort of, uh, dare I say, drunkenly, I'm, I assume drunkenly, shouted at uh, Chris Martin as he walked past, you're going to stay, Chris. And he just sort of smiled and said, we'll see. But, um, I, you know, that's, that's, I certainly think, I think, you know, three, four weeks ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been too bothered either way. I think he's, you know, he's worked really, really hard. But, but of late, he's looked like a key player, and it would be nice to see him hang around. But um, I've just noticed the time, so we'll, we'll move this on very, very quickly. I see. Uh, did you see somebody suggested that Paddy McCarthy should, be, uh, should go? Yeah, don't like that. <laughs> Do not That's like a, that at all. Well, there's, there's a few dissenting voices at Paddy. He messes up in defence, although we've probably got one of the best defences in the league. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know. I mean, I, there's, there's, there, there are reasons that people pick up on stuff with Paddy, and that's that every now and then he does have a little rush of blood to the head, and, you know, he's, he'll dive, try and dive and head her into the bottom corner of his own net, <laughs> or, or he'll slice a clearance wildly, or something like that. But. He gives so much more than that. He, he, you know, he kind of binds us. When he's not in that team, we do miss him. I, I honestly believe that. He is a, a proper good leader. He's a, he's good, a leader. good leader now. He, you know, he, he's. You just sort of think of this iconic moments, and it's usually involving him. There's when he headed the ball out up at, um, you know, against Sheffield Wednesday for the corner just before the whistle went, because the, the, you know, obviously the camera focused on him as he headed out of the corner. And the, just the scream of joy on his face when when that whistle went, and you know, I just don't, I don't personally think that, you know, he does make mistakes. He, you know, he's got a, a, that habit of, he defends like I defend at five a side. When a player runs past him, he grabs a shirt. Um, you know, I do that because I'm fat and can't move very quickly. So I don't know what his excuse is, but um, yeah, he, he has he has his faults, but at, at the championship at championship level. Him and Gardner are a formidable partnership. They win most stuff in the air. They're very physical. They're very committed. Uh, and, and uh, you know, attackers never get a, a moment's peace with them. So I don't very much like that at all. Um, we've got a message on the subject from... Do you think, though, do you think um, that Gardner or, or McCarthy benefits from each other? You know, how do you think it works? Do you think McCarthy's game's got better or Gardner's game's got better because of the other player, you know? I think, uh, yeah, I know. I think, I think Lenny Lawrence said something. Uh, I can't remember when, I think, but something along these lines, where he said that the gardener brings out the best in McCarthy. I don't know if he, he said it the other way around, but certainly, we, I, I think, I think as a partnership, they complement each other. I think Gardner's very good at uh, sort of covering for his, his the other centre back, if you like. Um, he, he reads the game well, doesn't he? So, yeah, yeah. But I think at the, at the same time. You, you know, Gardner's sort of prone to being a little bit too calm at times, and I think having someone like Paddy alongside him, you know, screaming in his, <laughs> in his ear every time something's even vaguely near, I think that probably helps him a great deal as well. I'd look, and uh, again, anyone who's ever sort of sp- had any dealings with Paddy or you know spoken to him in any way or, or heard anything about him will know that he is, he, you know, he is currently Mister Crystal Palace. You know, uh, he, you know, he's absolutely. He never wants to leave the football club, you know, ne- ne- never wants to go anywhere else, do anything else. This is what, you know, this, he loves doing this. His family are, you know, very, very settled. His kids love Crystal Palace. And, you know, that that off-the-pit sort of security of, of not looking elsewhere at other things, I think it makes a huge difference in your in your captain. It's another reason why he's, he's a great captain for me. But, as I say, I understand that there's a, there's a perspective of, of, you know, he does make errors, but then every player makes errors. 
So I don't know. I don't like that one at all. Um, just a quick word. Uh, say Doug sent us another email. Dweeb on Homestale. He says all those on loan at the moment he feels will go and not listed in the squad now. So he thinks Marrow will be out for sure. Uh, I don't know if Marrow's got another year in his contract, possibly. I'll be surprised because it's easy to forget how good he was before he got injured. And he's playing a lot of 90 minutes now for Preston. So I, I, would, I would hope Marrow comes back a better player. He thinks probably Dorman. I would agree with that. Um, although I think he got the winner for Bristol Rovers the other day against uh, Rotherham, who Cadogan's playing for. So, yeah, interesting. I think, I think that's probably a definite. Um, I'll just run through a couple more and then we'll move on. Uh, one of the comments has been about uh, Lee Hills. Uh, Lee has played his first 90 minutes for two years the other day. So first of all, well done, Lee, for getting back. Much, you know, very much look forward to seeing him back in a Palace shirt, I hope. Um, Lenny Lawrence, in his uh, Palace player interview, said he was extremely impressed with Lee Hills' athleticism. I was really sort of surprised that he's had, you know, he's had, he remembers him sort of two, three years ago, like we all do, sort of bombing up and down that left wing. And remembered he was a real player then. And he said it was a, it was a telling reminder um, that, that Lee Hills, if he can remain fit is um is still a hell of a prospect um he's been, you know he's had a huge setback he's he's lost 2 years of his career but he is um well he's on still the way back. Very, yeah he's on the way back and he's still very highly regarded um i say the last one someone said is Jermaine Easter there's a there's a debate i think we'll probably have it uh, another week uh, we've talked about Easter and Murray not playing together and things like that before there's a debate to be had over Jermaine Easter. He was one who I thought was, again, was absolutely superb against West Ham uh, in everything other than getting himself into a position where he could have a shot. Uh, and I do think that there's, a, there's an interesting question. I'm going to ask it as a question, but we're not going to answer it this week. And the question is, uh, is he good enough in terms of uh, putting chances away to, at this level to warrant his position? All his, all his, I don't think anyone would argue at the moment he's all-round game warrants his selection but is his goal threat sufficient at this level but we'll answer that some other week <clears throat> i'd just like to add just before we finish this topic chris i think um if and that's a big if if paul mcshane became available at the end of the season that that he would be a good addition to the squad don't know if you feel the same um so- when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Again, sorry, I've just, I'll tell you why I was slightly distracted. I've just got an email in from oh, Sue, who's, who's written to me. He's written to me a version of the song Mandy by Barry Manilow um, <laughs> called KG. Oh, KG. Okay. Oh, no, I can't sing it. I, I can't. I might okay. try and sing that to the backing music at some point. That might be amusing. Mm. But, um, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I'll uh, I'll Paul, say Paul sorry, McShane, that Paul was all. McShane. I was saying I said if 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 the option was there, I think it'd be <laughs> a good addition. Can I, can I answer that? I answer that in the in the review bit because I've got a little bit on him. 
Okay, go ahead. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Moving so, swiftly anyway, on. Moving swiftly on. So Palace nil, West Ham nil. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. And it's 8.51. Fantastic stuff. Um, <clears throat> Palace nil, West Ham nil. Lineup um, was very much the same, but Klein out. Uh, Klein officially has a knee injury that needs resting, rather than strictly speaking keeping him out. It's why he wasn't in the England under 21s to rest this. Uh, gave him a bit of trouble in the game against Watford, apparently, so it's going to keep him out of contention for a couple of games. So don't expect to see him on Saturday against Peterborough either, but other than once he's had a bit of a rest, we should probably see him back. Uh, and obviously, McShane came in. Uh, summary of the game, I think everyone knows by now that uh, we had the best of a f- the first half. I mean, it was very much the best of the first half. Uh, right from sort of the opening exchange where Ambrose had a glorious chance just as I was getting into the ground. Um, you know, and, and you'd Ro- rolling expect... in. Rolling in after the pub. Yes, <laughs> that's it. What <laughs> anyway, a troublesome yeah. journey. Um, <clears throat> but no, he, uh, obviously you'd expect Ambrose to put those away uh, and for whatever reason didn't didn't hit the target. Disappointing, but there we are. Um, and just after that, just, you know, creating some really impressive stuff and and keeping West Ham to, to very, very little. And it was, it was a very, uh, you know, and you just thought to yourself, you know, we've got to take advantage of this this situation. You know, when you when you're on top, I'm just trying to stop saying you know as well. When you're on top, you want mm. to you want to make sure you convert one of those chances, otherwise it can come back to haunt you. Um, and I did expect it to do that in the second half, if I'm completely honest. Um, so what changed in the second half is, is the first thing. Well, what changed was uh, a couple of substitutions by West Ham. Namely, bringing on uh, Carlton Cole for Faubert, who had been absolutely appalling. I was really gutted that, that Allardyce made that decision. I was hoping we'd get at least another 20 minutes of um, a complete passenger on their right wing. But, uh, but Carlton Cole came on and, and put us under a lot of pressure. And then later on, obviously, you had uh, Bulldog. And then, uh, I can't remember what their last Gary trial came on. And they, yeah, they put us under quite a substantial amount of pressure. And, and in spells, you're wondering... Are we taking a bit too much of a, a battering here? Are we going to, you know, perhaps? Well, I said, you know, again. Are we going to perhaps um, sort of buckle under this sort of onslaught, if you like? And then, but we just we got we just kept calm. And Gardner was superb, I have to say, and and, and parted really, really well at left back in that spell of pressure. And we we weathered the storm and, and came back at them. And in the end, I'm really disappointed we didn't win that game because we had chances again in the second half. So. I think that's that's a, an overall summary, if you like. Um, questions, really, and, and, and performances. Uh, if I start with the with the question, really, I've just well, I've asked the question of is is, is Easter enough of a goal threat? They're, they're still with that actually, because he had a couple of chances. Mark, uh, one he went through, um, didn't didn't take an early shot, and was just sort of muscled out, and then sort of a couple, basically on a couple of occasions, sort of seemed to get free, but a bit hesitant and tried to take an extra touch. So is 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 he enough of a goal threat? Do you think? Uh, not really. No, I think he's um, his work rate's good. I think his movement's good. He just doesn't have that calmness in front of goal, really. He, and you know, I, for all his pluses, uh, and in fact, for all the strikers at the club, really, apart from Wilf, we're not scoring enough goals. Full stop. They just don't have that killer instinct. We haven't got that even. 10 to 12 goal striker at the moment mm. and 
uh, it's a bit worrying and I don't I don't know if it's a confidence thing I just don't know if it's uh, a lack of ability or, or or what the reason is but he's never going to win a lot in the air Jermaine so there's no point putting it long to him and uh, <laughs> you're right yeah yeah I'm having a, <laughs> I'm having a bit of a joke to myself I've also just got a tweet in from Furhad offering to sing the KG version of Mandy um, I'm not sure whether that's a serious offer for Ad, but I think we can perhaps do a duet. We'll sort that out during the week. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, yes, mate. Yes. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, maybe it's finding the right partner for Jermaine Easter, but <laughs> that's that's a whole uh, subject in itself. It is, and it works very well. Who, who should be the, who yeah. should be his partner if, if we're going to play two up front? He works very well with Martin, I think, um, but Martin's the one who's benefiting with more of the chances, if you like, although they were were long range and Dougie said some interesting stuff after the game about how that was to um, you know they'd picked the areas where they could shoot from um, and Martin was sort of very much occupying those areas and we, and we saw you know Robert Green did very well to keep a couple of those chances out uh, and especially deflected shot from Zaha okay um, let's let's move on from that question and um, sort of talk about the next one and that, that next point I want to talk about is, is Wolf Zaha himself um, I actually got I actually thought he shaded man of the match for his first half display over Jednak's overall display I thought um, <clears throat> excuse me um, he just certainly yes he faded in the second half and a lot of that had to do with the, the fact that he had I'd say at least three players on him at, at most of the time and, and West Ham quite rightly identified that cutting the supply off to him would cut off the major part of our threat which he did for quite a period of time but for me, he he was just sensational, both in an attacking sense and and his defensive work as well. I think he's starting. He's got people have noticed it. They they sort of mentioned it on the commentary, and I know a few people have mentioned it on both message boards that that Wilf Zaha is starting to play with his head up now. And I talked about that very early on in the season, where that's the next step for him is to start playing with his head up and spotting and you know and watching the game. So, uh, Mark, what did you make of Wilf's performance? Yeah, I thought it was all all round game. Um, was superb. Uh, he has improved, as you said, from the Wilf Zaha at the beginning of the season, and uh, he adds a lot of dimensions to the game. It, you know, he does track back a lot. He, he, uh, you know, he gets into some great positions. Uh, he's looking up. He's crossing the ball now, and uh, he's really the only player in the team who makes you sort of kind of get out your seat when he. When he has the ball at his feet and he's running at the defence, I, I think um, he's a gem. He really is, and uh, I hope we can keep hold of him. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't, I'm, I'm just, don't just, want just... him having blindly performances on the telly. No, he can't, he can't, I don't think you can avoid it now. Unfortunately, all for the under twenty ones. That's yeah, that's the next thing. He's going to have people in his ear at that game and all that sort of stuff. But he's a sensible lad. You know, that's what I'm holding on to. Anyway, he's a sensible lad. Uh, and he's yeah. he's getting better. They've better. worked on him. They've worked on him. Yeah. If he ever gets coaching to, staff of of if of, he ever gets to a position here where he thinks he's not progressing anymore, but when you can see week on week he is progressing and he's becoming a better player, there's no there's no logic in him going anywhere else right now because he's not going to get better any quicker anywhere, and he's not going to get certainly not going to get more time, you know, play more game time anywhere else. Uh, and the, you know the, the under twenty one call up gives him a chance to test himself. You know, playing with and against um, some some supposedly higher opposition. Although I'm not too sure, looking at some of the Premiership reserves being picked, whether that will be that much of a difference. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been seriously impressed with Wolf of late, and I, I, you know, I'm a massive fan of his anyway. But um, but seeing him 
You run his run fan club, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but seeing him run with the ball, but not looking at his feet um, has, has cheered me up no end for the last couple of games because I've been waiting for that. And that's, that's always the moment. And that for me, that's the moment that if it takes too long to come, then you think he's not going to quite fulfil that potential he's got. But the fact that it's come now and he's starting to, you're starting to notice his passing as well as his you know, ability to beat three players and smash a shot in. So I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling very, very positive about Wolf Zaha at the moment. Uh, another player who I'm, I'm feeling positive about, but certainly most of the message boards are feeling extremely happy about at the moment, is, is Mile Jedinak. Or Jedinak. I don't really know which one it is yet. He's starting. He does. He deserves a goal certainly because he's starting to have a lot more of a, an attacking influence, uh, taking some nice long range shots every now and then. Uh, his passing is improving with every game. Still not completely there, but if it was completely there, I don't know. He, well, he'd have no business playing in the championship. He'd be far too good. But his ability in the air and his ability to put the foot in at the exact right moment is it's, un, it's unnerving at times. It's what a player! Seriously, what a player! I mean, Mark, do you do you rate his performance? It was uh, it was terrific yesterday, but it's the whole um, with a lot of the players, like Wilf included. Jedinak came in, and you know, they, it was easy to pick fault for with certain aspects of his game, and he was often sort of uh, you know given a hard time on the message boards anyway mm. about some of his performances, his passing and so forth earlier in the season. And uh, like Wilf, Jednak has developed over, as the season's progressed. And I, I can only go back to the coaching again at the club is, is superb because mm. the players are, 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 you know, they're not, they're not faced. It's the latter end of the season. They're not fading. They're getting better, you know, and the performances are getting better and they're looking like more confident players, their all-round games are getting better, and and you know credit to the to the coaching staff that you know they've you know identified these areas of weakness that we see week in week out. Uh, you know the passing, the tackling, uh, yeah. Wilf. You know looking up, looking for someone to pass to, not trying to take on everybody, and um and the, their development in in the last few months has is been amazing. It's just like it's all, you know, it's like having a new new player in your your squad. You know, signed in January. You know, it's just it's it's terrific. Yeah, so that's I a very good point. Off to the train, man. Very mm. good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. About you know how the players are getting better and and how it must. I think we're going to finish the season really strong. I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we have players to come back, and uh, I think that the performances of late have been really positive. I mean, you know, Middlesbrough, Bristol City. West Ham, Watford. There's only, I think, one win in those, but we haven't lost any of them. And and you know, these these guys are featuring more and more. And and uh, I just it's it's just great to see that, that you know, they're rather than them sort of slacking off and taking their foot off the pedals, the season runs down. Their 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 whole game's improving. The whole side seems to be playing better football. And I'm hoping that you know the last dozen or so games. Are, are are really entertaining games mm. in, in in terms of you know football to watch. I mean, we were grinding out results, weren't we, pre Christmas? And you know, I know it was nil nil yesterday, but that, that was a great point. And uh, uh, I think uh, West Ham. I read something where West Ham had scored in their last con- ten consecutive games prior to Wouldn't playing Palace. Me. 
Yeah, so uh, that just go, puts into perspective the performance yesterday. So that's my view on it, anyway. Yeah, on that um, on that on that subject, we've got a message from uh, Ramsey on the uh, on the Homestyle boards uh, when he was talking. Oh, I won't go into all of it because we haven't got a tremendous amount of time left. But um, he he was talking about how he feels that the fans like himself who have been urging a more attack-minded setup were vindicated by the the performance in the first half. Uh, I, I feel somewhere in between on that. I. I still maintain, and I genuinely believe that if we had conceded in that second half, you would have seen a lot of people saying that we sat back and got punished, uh, because simply because that's how they would have they would have dealt with the disappointment of conceding. I think you, sometimes you see you see what you want to see. I think, um, uh, and I think the same thing in, in a positive sense. You see how we played in the first half against uh, West Ham. Uh, but those of us that were up at Middlesbrough will, will tell you we played like that for 90 minutes and, and we had the same result. We didn't get a goal. Uh, and all, and we had to deal with people on the message board saying, you know, why don't we attack more? We're playing too defensively. And, and th- that is exactly what we'd seen. There's not a lot, great deal of difference between the style of play. Uh, the only thing I'd say that has changed, and maybe as a result of some criticism of being overly defensive, and, and certainly I, I saw, again, Lenny Lawrence's um, video, which if you haven't watched it on Palace Play, it's well worth a watch. He's a fascinating character, but he um, <clears throat> he said that you know, quite in a quite angry sort of voice, said we've drawn too many games at home. So obviously, he's he's putting that message across that that we need to do, do better at home uh, in an attacking sense. And I would say that there has been a change, and that change has been that Chris Martin has pushed up further alongside Easter for more of the game. And only drops back when we're under pressure, and that was very noticeable in the second half against West Ham, where he came very, very deep and formed part of the midfield for a time. Mm, it was interesting. Me. It was interesting um, to look at the lineup yesterday because, uh, <coughs> bearing in mind it was a game away from home, um, West Ham didn't play a keep on the bench. Obviously, we did, mm. so we had four outfield players. So, we had, but we had no natural defender in on the bench at all. So. You know, it it kind of shows that you know, from well, the way I look at it is that he he had a, a very attacking game plan in mind, and yeah. uh, you know, having people like Scannell, Murray, O'Keefe, and Garvin on the bench gives him a lot of options. Mm. Something goes wrong defensively, I presume he's hoping someone will drop back, back from midfield. But uh, when you look at the side, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, Easter, Zaha, Jednak, maybe yeah, KG you, could you, go in at centre-half. You think Jednak could do centre-half and maybe KG at a full-back. But I know exactly what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, but it's, uh, it, was, uh, it was an attacking bench. And um, uh, I think, he, I think you know, you know the, the, so much of the time was spent about, oh, when are they going to let the players express themselves and so forth? And I think he's doing that now yeah. by p- picking, picking teams that uh, are quite attacking. I mean, obviously... We still have those sort of two defensive midfield players, but Jednak sort of is is a is a different player to the player he was a couple of months ago, and and yeah, and we sure. are we are looking better going forward. I mean, we still just, I mean, if we did have a, a fifteen twenty goal season striker, we would be a top six side, I think. Yeah, but uh, I think we don't fair. we don't because the number of games that we should have won, I mean. Uh, is just must be at least half a dozen this season. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably two or three that we won or well, we should have lost, perhaps. Um, certainly, Coventry and Bristol City at home spring to mind. Uh, but but yes, in terms of over the course of a season, games that we've ended up with a point or 
or worse than we should have walked away with three. They're, they're just there's yeah there's numerous. And well, even when right. you go right back to Leeds, the oh to of Leeds, the season, and you know and the season against Peterborough. I mean, yeah. <laughs> any all of us that are out there sort of thought, how the hell have we managed to lose this game? So I mean, it's it's been a lot of that this season, man. I, I think that's kind of it's and it's gone through the whole season because even Bristol City the other week, the midweek game, yeah. you know, two 0 up with seventeen minutes or whatever what to go, two one up with nothing left on the clock more or less, and. Uh, yeah. We still managed to only come away with a point. So if we converted a lot of those draws think, into wins, we, it would be as who was it? Who, which of was it? Dougie or Lenny saying? Len, we, Lenny said we've yeah. we, drawn. Well, I'm sure Dougie feels the same. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's that's perhaps been the the point this season. We've had such a turnaround in our away form compared to last year, which obviously couldn't have got much worse. And in terms of results, I think Doug is right when he says in terms of performance, it improved a great deal last season. But in terms of results, it couldn't really get any worse. And um, to have that turn around so dramatically, uh, the the result of that has been that to keep that style consistent, we've we've perhaps conceded a little bit at home in terms of make, making good on our home advantage. I think when Ramsey sort of ends his email, he says we have to play less defensively and, and take the game to the opposition. Uh, put Johnny Williams in straight in place of KG and watch us rise up the table. I think there's a lot of truth in that, and, I, and a lot. I think a lot, but a lot of that has to come from confidence. It's not just about you know, waving a magic wand or Dougie clicking his fingers and saying, right, boys, go out and attack, because it doesn't always work like that. Because, you, you mean, first of all, you've got to have the ball to attack, and, and second of all, you've got, to, you've got to still be in a game to win it. There's no point saying, off you go and attack, you know, and coming, going 2-0 down and thinking, uh, well, we've got to score three to win this now. Sometimes it, it's, it's good to take a spell in a game where you do nullify the opposition and just keep a bit of possession. But I think we're doing all these things, and we're doing it in the right way, and it, it's gradual and... I've said all season I can see progression in the team and, and I think in terms of the style of play we're starting to see some real progression now. Whether or not it's because there were complaints from, from fans and that message has got across, I don't know. Whether it was just a natural course of things that it would it would start to happen at this point in the season. Who who's to say? I'm I'm sure Dougie's, you know, his own man and probably doesn't take a great deal of uh notice of what people say on message boards and what have you, but I'm sure he has people who will tell him as well. So Interesting, interesting points, really. But I don't think, certainly, don't think we've got anything to to complain about at the moment. I really don't, and I, it's nice to see those those people who have been disappointed with the way we're playing. It's nice to see them happier because you know I'm certainly happier, and that's and we all want, at the end of the day we all want the same thing, don't we? And that's a a successful Palace winning football matches and playing playing some good football. Um, just to round off Indeed. on this on this West Ham game, um. I've got Gardner and Ambrose there to talk about. We've done that uh, previously when we were talking earlier on. Um, we want to talk about Allardyce's comments, but just before we yeah. do that, um, can we talk about McShane? Because I think it's something you wanted to talk about as well, Mark. Now, I'll say, obviously, I thought we had a fantastic game at right back, and what has surprised me since he joined us is his ability on the ball and going forward. I've been really impressed. Seems a lot quicker than I remember him being for anyone else. Um, don't really know what's happened, but certainly the McShane that I'm seeing isn't the one that the whole fans will tell you about. And so, I mean, go on, Mark. What's your, uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, on well, the, well, simply eyebrows were raised when he was brought in. That's for sure. No, thank you. I think was most of people's uh, thoughts on on the signing of him, even as uh, you know, as um, on a short term uh, loan deal. But uh, he had a stormer yesterday. He looked very comfortable at right back, and um, uh, I don't know whether that's got anything to do with uh, 
West Ham being poor down the left side or whatever. But I think uh, he was solid and he can play centre-half as well, which is always helpful. And um, I think, you know, as I was sort of alluding to earlier, I think that it would be a good acquisition if if we could uh, meet whatever his wage demands, which are usually the, the stumbling block when it comes yeah. to getting players into the club. <laughs> Excuse but, me, that's uh, going you know, to be the battle, isn't it? Yes, it is, but uh, I mean, he had some serious knockers, didn't he? Not literally, <laughs> but uh, on the boards, man, he had uh, some you, knockers you when he when we signed him. Yeah, they were great. They were double D's, mate. <laughs> they, they were marvelous. Mm, anyway, but, breathtaking. But, um, but anyway, he yeah, had an absolute right, yeah. blinder, and uh, yeah, I'd like to see us possibly, if we've got the funds, take him on a permanent deal. You but like uh, I, I don't even. You'd like to take a firm grip on his knockers, but um, yes. no, he um, he, he certainly he certainly I say surprised me. And I think from from rumours he's on insane money um, at Hull, but I think if you read, they the, all are at Hull, aren't they? Gardner. Yeah, they, they're all same on premium. It's before. the same, but it was the same with Gardner. I mean, mm. and and it was very, it's very reminiscent of that. No one at Hull kicked up a fuss when we took Gardner on loan, and when we signed him permanently, they weren't angry in any way, shape, or form. Sort of thought he was overrated, overpaid, not worth the money. Uh, we've seen Gardner put injury problems behind him and play fantastically for us. Um, and now we've seen McShane come in on loan and and look really settled and look like he's enjoying himself. Uh, He's given good performances at centre back and at right full back. He's, as I said, I have seen him against uh, Brighton do a flip flap in the penalty area. He did a couple of step overs against West Ham running forward. Don't know where this skill has come from. I haven't seen it before. And the only thing I remember him doing is, is scoring for Brighton against us. So, um, but I just think I think we and again another another player. Don't you think who is on loan? And seems to be really enjoying his time here, and and gives gives it all, and and really looks like you know, like like all the lone players to me seem like I don't know what it is about. It's got to be our team playing spirit. for Crystal Palace, and but it, it's obviously it's got to be the, the way they're training, the coaching, the yeah. rest of the lads, the whole combination. It seems like a, a really great great. Team you, to be around. You know? Yeah, if you pick the sort of comments that you hear, sort of from the players when they've got when they've been on loan and gone back, or or when they first sort of join and they're asked about how they found it in their first couple of weeks, they all say similar things. And it's a lot of them say that there's Dougie's got an, an incredible attention to detail. Uh, you know, and as you know, deals with each you know the individual players, tells them what he wants them to work on, and that the coaching staff pay a lot of attention to the sort of individual needs of players. Uh, and that they always talk about there being a good team spirit, and you can see that. You can see, the the obvious things when we're celebrating goals. When you know, there's no one who's sort of skulking off and not really enjoying it. If you saw when we lost the lost the game on penalties at Cardiff, and you saw the the pictures after that game of of Glenn Murray, who a lot of people are saying Glenn Murray's up, you know, upset and out of the team, and that's what I'm sure he's not happy being out of the team. I'm sure he's quite frustrated. But with him sort of like consoling an absolutely distraught Wilf Saha, I mean that's the sort of thing that you you want in in a in your team in your squad. Well, I think also the thing is, is that um, what we don't have at Palace is is huge big egos mm. and players. Well, I can think of one person with a huge ego, but that's not not here nor there. Anyway, um, but generally speaking, we have no no sort of um, uh, big time Charlies at the club. Yeah. People who who are on 
you know, five times the money that everybody else is on who, you know, drives a Bentley and everyone else drives a Mini. It's all kind of like, you know, everyone, it's a fairly level playing field. We, we know who the top earners are, basically, and we know, you know, roughly what they're on. I mean, it's it's not documented anywhere, but, you know, if you speak to people in yeah, and around yeah. you, can, you can generally find yeah. out. And But but they all, I mean, if you speak to them uh, before or after the game, they're... they're very pleasant. They've, they all seem to be level-headed. They all seem to be singing from the same hymn sheet. And mm. I think it, it's obviously, you know, that's why we're able to get the players we do come in on yeah. loan, and then they want to stay. You know, we, yeah. they don't have to stay. We, you know, we offer. You know, we ask them do they want to stay on to the rest of the season, and and they do. Like yeah, and Spine, don't, for example, you can't <clears throat> underestimate the the effect of the supporters as well, because that's another thing that that they always pick up on. Um, they're always. Yeah. And especially they mention the away support a lot and I know Nick was talking about that earlier he doesn't get to many away games and our, our away support is special and, and especially when you see the guys if they they know if they, whether they win, lose or draw they're going to get clapped off and they're going to get a whole host yeah, of they, hundred of people who, who appreciate their efforts and it, that's how it's been continuously they, for, for a long period of time it's because they always look up into the stands and mm. they see you being led out pissed yeah. by a steward <laughs> and they go there's Hambo again Hey, hey being that out the yeah, they may so. have, they probably would have heard me fall down three rows of seats yes. at Middlesbrough. I think a lot of people did. But go, who's that drunken bar steward at the, <laughs> by, lying on the floor in the terracing? Or that happened the, once. The that happened at Peterborough yeah. once. Look, yeah. I, you know, it's difficult. I mean, you know, I've, I've hard not to. Uh, to draw attention to myself at away games. It's fine. Shut up. Anyway. Uh, no, look, I think, I think uh, certainly, yeah, I do genuinely believe that, uh, that the fans do have a massive effect on that. I think when you, if you talk to uh, any, any footballers about it, that one of, the, one of the things that they love to do is they love to play in front of a loud, appreciative crowd. Sounds an obvious statement to make, but that's, part, that's one of the big perks of being a footballer is, is having the adulation, having the... You know the the attention of, of a, a huge number of people in a positive way, and and they get a lot of that at Palace, an absolute lot of hero worship and a lot of time. And and you know that we talk about egos. That's even if you haven't got an ego, it's a it's a tremendous boost to get you know people believing in you and and supporting you. And if you're having a hard time, they they accept that you're trying your best. And we've got a lot of people like that. We've got perhaps less of that at home than we do away. But it's, I think that personally, I think that has a big effect, and I think a lot of a lot of players are surprised when they join Crystal Palace. They, they're surprised at the difference between their own support and, and ours because because they say so, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, certainly. And they, that, I mean, and yeah. they have the crystals as well. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's got to be a benefit to anyone. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, McShane really looks looks a different player. Hopefully, we do we do go back in, but a very impressive performance, and I don't know whether he would be happy regularly playing right back but I'd certainly be happy seeing him in there on a regular basis uh, just actually before we finish off with the um, preview of Peterborough which is probably going to take about five minutes now considering the time um, we had an email in during the week from Ian Lyons which is, uh, I think it's Ian Lyons Lyons 550 anyway, Ian um, he says uh, hi guys, just wonder what your thoughts were on Glenn Murray and while he suddenly seems to have spent most of the time on the bench, for me he's our best striker and he's made the role of the sole front, uh, made for the role of sole front man. However, I'm not sure the players we have out wide suit him, uh, as he is better with the ball to feet rather than in the air, which is all he seems to get. 
Perhaps he needs to work harder when we do not have the ball, which is why Easter seems to be given the nod. Thoughts? Um, <clears throat> well, I certainly think the, that um, a lot of it's to do with uh, Dougie's sort of man management, if you like. And a lot of it, I, this is just my opinion, uh, no real facts or anything. It's just how I've kind of perceived the situation. In that he's had a situation where he's, he's brought into Glenn Murray. Glenn Murray's played extremely well and then had a dip in form, which I think anyone would probably admit he had a, he's had a dip in form. Um, Jermaine Easter has w- wanted a chance and has spoken out and has said, you know, I want an opportunity. I've scored a few goals when Bernard when called upon. I want to want to go, go in the team. Dougie's given him a go in the team. He's played well and he's gelled with Chris Martin. Um, and he, as a result, we've got a, a team that's creating and and at the moment putting away some opportunities. So I think Glenn Murray's been a victim of both a little drop in his form uh, and some excellent all-round displays by Easter, other than not being a goal threat. Um, I'm I'm finding it tough to I'm finding it tough to see Glenn Murray on the sidelines because I I agree with with Ian in that I do think he is probably our most talented striker and our, and our biggest goal threat. But um, but I think Easter deserves has, has taken the chance given to him and and the in the role that he's been asked to do if you if you know what I mean. Uh, I don't know what your views on that, Mark. Yeah. Um, basically, he seems to have lost his mojo, doesn't he? Really. Yeah. That's how I put it in a nutshell. He's um, he, I think he's a player who plays on confidence and. I think that he's a bit short of it at the moment. And I think he was also a victim of our our quite defensive play earlier in the season. And he didn't get a lot in the way of uh, opportunities to score. And uh, he didn't get... The delivery was poor earlier in the season. And uh, the creativity from midfield was poor. And he is a a bit of an old-fashioned number nine, really. He likes the ball to be played up to him and needs people running off him playing him on his own up front without any support just doesn't work and obviously as you said earlier Martin and Easter seem to play better together that doesn't mean that I think that they're better players than Murray it just seems that the way that we're set up and the people that we have don't complement uh, Murray for whatever reason I don't know why I'm a bit I'm a bit sort of bemused as to why mm-hmm. why he hasn't kicked on from last season and I can only assume that you know <coughs> either he's he's just he's not happy at Palace which could be we don't know but you know I think, I think who so. knows but someone, uh, um, someone mentioned it the other week I can't remember if it was it might have it might not have even been on the show it might have been in a private discussion but um, someone mentioned that a lot of Glenn Murray's best moments came in tandem with or from something that John Williams had done earlier in the season and that those two work really well together. So if you kind of imagine the team with Martin in that advanced midfield role in behind the striker works better with Easter up front, it's probably fair to say that that with John Williams was playing in the Chris Martin role that Murray would be the better option. Um, I think maybe that's what you're talking... We're talking about partnerships in that sense and... Mm. I think maybe that that that's another angle worth looking at. But I, mean, I think I, thought, it's just... I think Doogie got it right um, yesterday when he brought Scannell on. Although I didn't think Scannell played particularly well, but he brought Scannell on and he brought Wilf on, so he had width. And then obviously Easter isn't particularly good in the air. He's not a great. He's not a tall guy. So um, then 
I think I texted you during the game, or didn't I? Yeah, I said, yeah. Now's the time to bring Glenn Murray on because yeah, now he's got he did, some yeah. width, and he and he did do that, Doogie. But um, again, you know, uh, we had a couple of half chances. I think Wilf got to the byline, crossed it, yep. and he met Green, and Green just got there before. Yeah, before. yeah, it's a couple, yeah. couple, like that, so, couple of early and, crosses. Yeah, and I think uh, you know that's that's how he he works, and you know. Um, at the moment, it's kind of accommodating either him into a system or he's got to accommodate himself into into a system that yeah. where it gets the best of him. But when you see him play, he he doesn't look like he has the vim vigor that he had earlier in the season. He, mm. he looks like he's lost his mojo. He looks like he kind of um, is a little bit disinterested. If it might be a bit harsh, but he doesn't seem to chase as hard as he does. But given that, mm. I said that, you know, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but he just seems he's gone off the ball. And mm. I don't know, as I said, he maybe he's not happy at Palace. Maybe there's something going on internally. I don't know. Maybe, as you say, he's just doesn't, you know, he, he's not doing the business and, and he's, he's just got, got, the, got the role. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to win his place back on the training pitch. Yeah. No, I think I think you've 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 given some good options there. I don't think I think it's probably a little bit of all, all of those things. I don't think there's any real major problem personally, but maybe I'm just being optimistic. I just think that there's that that he's been out of form, he's lost his place, he knows he needs to work to get it back. And and then he's just been I think he's effectively either seen or been told that look, at the moment Easter and Martin are working really well together, so you're going to have to you're going to have to have a little spell out the team. I'm afraid, Glenn. I think he'll be back, and I think I mean I've seen seen enough times when he came on against Bristol City, he was excellent. Uh, but conversely, when he came on against Watford, he struggled. So I'd, I think I think it's I think it's more of a former. You've got you've got to have an, an environment. I think that's what I was trying to get at earlier. You've got to have an environment where if you're if you're not playing well, someone will take your place. Otherwise, do you think, no do you think though he's a, yeah? But do you think he's a kind of away from home type player rather than a home? player do you know um, what I mean? possibly i mean he certainly suits that the style we get away from home he suits that oh, on the break I think. yeah yeah i think so um and i think again his hold up play although easter's got very very much better at that recently his hold up play when he's on form when his touch is there is second to none but i think what he just simply i think he just lost a little bit of his touch and i think when you when you were hit we were hitting the ball up to him earlier in the season he was sticking to his foot like glue and he was you know bringing other people into play uh and he just he's just started to struggle to get hold of that ball i think maybe the the talk of him carrying an injury is true and it and it just sort of it made it difficult him difficult for him to to sort of play in the same way and to hold the ball up long enough to get support. So I think we'll, I mean, we'll leave that there. It's an interesting discussion. I think it's one that will continue, but it's good to have, it's good to have the situation where we're, we're, no one's quite sure, if you know what I mean. There's, it's, it's nice to have a sort of an air of mystery about it in some ways because it means there's nothing screamingly obvious that's wrong. So anyway, um, let's not dwell too long on that. Um, it's a good question, Ian, and hopefully we'll come back to that at some point. Let's talk about um, the upcoming game against Peterborough. First thing I, I want to mention... I just want to say, uh, oh, well, did, you, well, did you want to talk about Sam Allardyce? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Sorry, you want was, to talk about Sam Allardyce. Go on off you I go. just... I, I wasn't um, anything that probably nobody else has seen or heard, but it was just the sort of the, the different ways in which coaches, stroke managers, talk to the press, and... Uh, Big Sam, just I mean, he his, his yeah. comments were 
along the lines. They were the lads are disappointed with the booing. I'm reading this as 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 the quote. The Hammers were tired after playing large parts of the last three games with ten men. Those games had definitely caught up with the large majority of the lads. I might have made a mistake picking exactly the same side that beat Blackpool on Tuesday. Palace also did not have a game in midweek, so their energy levels were bound to be higher. I changed the system and got fresh legs on in the second half, and we did better. We probably had the best two chances with Sam Bulldog, but we didn't convert. Right, So basically, he's sort of offloading. He's pacifying the West Ham fans and covering his managerial cracks, I think in his makeup and those of his players and uh, defending them and then sort of saying, well, I seem to remember we had about three games in six days when we were in the That's right, yep. or something, yep. uh, two games in 48 yep. hours or something. Yeah, like. was, anyway, yeah, yeah. anyway, so, and then having 10 men, well, if you, it's your job, mate, to <laughs> discipline your players and, yeah. and, you know, they were lucky with Robert Green. He shouldn't have been playing. If he wasn't playing, he was probably the man of the match. We probably would have won yesterday, so he yeah. should be thank his lucky stars. I don't know how Rob Green got that overturned. He must have, I won't say he go at a bung, but anyway, <laughs> won't go down that road. No. And then and then Doogie Freeman said after the game, uh, he this is what he said after the West Ham game, this game is about scoring goals and defending well, and we did one of those right today. In the first half, we were outstanding and deserved to win, but didn't take our chances. After the next 45, I think a draw was a fair result. We defended really well and stuck in there. You have to do that when the opposition are creating chances. And if we carry on with performances like today and take our chances, we will be climbing the table. I'm pleased we could come to a big club like West Ham, force them to change shape and personnel. They have an experienced manager. He changed his formation, which caused us problems at times. We gave a disciplined second-half defensive display, and when questions were asked, we had the answers. We stopped our game plan, kept the point, and kept the point that we had earned. When you come here, you have to expect a physical battle, and we were up for it today. Freeman had little sympathy for Allardyce's men being booed off, and he joked, fans pay money and allowed their views. I ended up booing my son the other day at a rugby match. So... <laughs> If you take that context where he's, he's, he's doing the positives and the negatives, he's not blaming anyone, he's not no. talking about extra matches, he's not talking about injuries, he's not talking about playing with 10 men, he's just saying, we did this well, we didn't put our chances away, he, he's just, you know, on the money. Yeah, this Sam Allardyce yeah. is just full of hot air. He, he, he's, he's, you know, known for a certain type of football, he's trying to pretend that that he's creating a team that uh, don't play that style of football. The fans aren't daft. Uh, they got booed off yesterday. He thinks, you know, that's a bit harsh and so forth. Well, he was playing a mid-table team with, you know, again, and he's got a team of so-called, you know, ex-Premier League players. and well, They've spent millions and millions. Yeah, you know. And they're expected to go up, etc. And he didn't get the result and he's disappointed. And he's finding every excuse under the sun to cover up for his side's weaknesses. Yeah. I think if they go up, they are going to get destroyed every week. <laughs> with that. Yeah. So destroyed. Not, not, In the serial thriller type of destroyed. Yeah, yeah I bet. Uh, no, not, not a fan of those comments then, Mark. No, look, I, I have to say, mate... I. <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, I just like the way that, that Doogie puts everything in perspective and he looks at the positives, he looks at the, at the negative sides of it and he says, yeah, we deserved a point. You know, we, we did this well, we didn't do that so well. It, no, it doesn't say, oh, uh, you know, 
doesn't yeah. say we should have won that tired. game. They were tired, and you know, he didn't say, "Oh, we we had a cup run that took us to the semi-finals, and we played three games in six days or whatever." So Nat, Nat Klein wasn't playing our Player of the Year uh, last season. None of it, none of this at all. They just didn't, didn't say, oh, they, you know, they, they spent more money on one player than a whole squad or anything like that. That Sam is bullshit, Sam, as far as I'm concerned. Well, look, uh, I, I put in the summary of us to talk about it, Allardyce Palace spoilt game comments, what a wanker. And I stand by that, really. Because obviously he, one of the, he, he said that we came to, to spoil their game. Um, Dougie sort of addressed that and said, "Yeah, yeah, in many ways we did because that's what we what we had to do." And but he then said, "Like we spoiled it by stopping them playing and creating chances, and you know it's like you do in a football match. That's what happened. It's, it's a bizarre set of circumstances. And uh, like you said, Allardyce is known for he's known for a certain brand of football, but he's also known for being pretty arrogant and and delusional in a lot of ways. They are, uh, their, think, their, their whole club and their fans believe they're a Premier League team." Mm. What, whatever day of the week it is, whatever year we're in, whatever planet you're on, as yeah. far as they're concerned, it's bowling ground, the Hammers, Bobby Moore, uh, <laughs> Jeff Hurst, we won the World Cup, <laughs> we deserve to be in the Premiership, give me a break, man, give yeah. me a break. Yeah, on, that, no, on that performance yesterday, listen, we were the better team, yeah. but, you know... As Friedman I'll, said, a point was a fair result. Well, we'll say a couple of things on that. Well, the, the first thing I would say is, is that Allardyce is under permanent pressure there, uh, and that is because he's expected to win that league with the resources he's got and the money he's spent and the board that he's got behind him. Obviously, it's all built on debt at the moment. They've got the money to pay for it, Golden Sullivan. They're not they're not short of a few bob. But but what I'm what I'm getting at is they've they've put a lot into just getting straight back up. And if they don't get straight back up, then you know he he knows he's going to lose his job, uh, and, and the second thing I wanted to say is that I I kind of do have some sympathy not with him but with the with the players um, for being booed off uh, when top at the time they left that pitch they were top of the league. Yes, they had a slightly dis- they had a disappointing first half, um, and they would have expected to beat us. But you really I know it's, I know this kind of culture at the moment, and we don't. Fortunately, we don't get much of it at Celeste anymore. We, you know, we did a couple of seasons back. We certainly got a, you know, cheer if you win, boo if you lose culture creeping in. Um, uh, but certainly, when you when you see um, when you see your team draw at home and be top of the league, you probably, as a footballer, wouldn't expect to be booed off the pitch. And they didn't play that poorly. Certainly, the second half they did all right. So I, I can see the the sort of argument there. Um, Oh, they're just uh, delusional, mate. Yeah, but yeah, That's exactly. I think that that sums them up as a as a. But, and and also worth pointing out, it wasn't every single supporter who was booing. It was it was you know we all, we all have them. It was a fair number, <laughs> but and perhaps they have more than more of that sort of supporter than most. But you know, but put it in perspective, a group of fans booed them off the pitch when they were top of the league just because they didn't beat little old Crystal Palace. And I think that sums it sums yeah, it up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's let's very quickly finish this off. You know what, Mark? We were talking before the show and said there's just two of us today, and we've only got the one game to review, so it'll be a, it'll be a nice quick hour. It's probably the longest one show we've done in a while. I don't probably everyone's asleep <laughs> or, or, watch, or watching Top Gear. Yeah, sorry, the other. Sorry, um, you can just fast forward some of these bits. Or well, someone can listen to it on the way to work tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, I'll, I'll talk to you after about what I was about to say. <laughs> not, really, not, not really any point of me sort of saying on air what my plan was for when we finished the show. Anyway, any, right, okay. 
Peterborough. Peterborough. Um, I don't want to go into a huge amount of detail. Uh, let's just let's just have. I wanted I wanted to bring up. Um, obviously, we started the season away to Peterborough, so it's a good opportunity to look at this game and to look where we were uh, and how far we've come. Now, just to run you through the lineup that started the game up at uh, Peterborough, uh, we had Jules and Goal. At right back, we had Peter Ramage. We had McCarthy and Andrew Davis as centre-backs. And we had Ryan McGiven at left-back. In midfield, we had Ambrose, KG, Wright and Johnny Parr making his debut. Uh, we had Sean Scannell and uh, Glenn Murray four, up front. Four, four players making a debut, I think, didn't they? Well, that's three right. Of the, yeah, three yeah. of the back um, four, I think. Three of the back day? four had never played together. And two, two of them, I think, two of the starting, and Tanchev was on the bench. But two of the starting, Davies and McGiven, I think, had joined us, or might be Ramage, Ramage and Dave. 24 hours before. Yeah, 24 hours before the game kicked off. So, <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> that was an interesting one. <clears throat> but, in, yeah, we, we played effectively a 4-4-2 there. Um, with left wing was Johnny Parr, Ambrose was right wing, with KG and, and David Wright in the middle. Um, and uh, at a front two of Glenn Murray and Sean Scannell, and, and the goal came from Glenn Murray's flick on uh, and Scannell's finish. Um, so that's that's where we started, but we lost that game two one with a we had a good first forty five and a, a appalling second forty uh, five and um, yeah. So we since that time we've come a long way. Um, we've got a different system now, um, and in terms of the system and the lineup, Mark. Well, what, what do you think we should do against Peterborough? I mean, we sort of say this every week, and the conclusion we come to is we're going to see the same thing. Um, do you see any changes coming in the lineup? Um, well, it depends, obviously, who's fit. Uh, but I don't think there'll be a lot of changes, no, because it was a good performance. I think um, front three of Zaha, Easter, Martin, basically, that will be pretty much standard. Um, I think Klein is going to be out, isn't he, for another week at least. Uh, yeah. So we'll probably see the same back four, McCarthy, Gardner, McShane and Parr. Um, uh, maybe... Um, I don't know. The only person I could see may be dropped out of the team would be Darren Ambrose. Yeah, I can't see KG and Jednak will be in the centre midfield. Back four picks itself based on injuries and so forth. Um, and I think the front three are performing pretty well. And I think the only place is who's going to play wide right. I suppose you could play Ambrose or Scannell. Um, there's, there are other options, obviously. There's Garvin O'Keefe. Etc. But um, it's a home game. Uh, I'd like to see uh, a pretty attacking lineup, but I think it'll be pretty. It'll be pretty similar to the West Ham game, I imagine. But then, yeah. you know, you might throw an iron in the fire. <coughs> I don't. Ex- I don't know whether. I don't know how fit or first team fit Moxie is. Mm. He had what was he's got a flu or a stomach bug or something. So yeah, that sort of thing again. Yeah. But um, um, I don't know whether you can. I mean, you could uh, take Ambrose out and bring in uh, Moxie for Ambrose, but that's the wrong side, really. So, or you could switch Wilf, yeah, or you could swap Wilf round and, yeah. and play Moxie and Parr in front of each other. Uh, not really sure uh, on okay, that mate. front. Well, okay. yeah, like you say, it's probably probably no need to make too many changes. Uh, I'm not expecting too many. Again. In many ways, I'd like to see Glenn Murray start a game, and in many ways, I'd like to see um, I'd like to see a few things different. I'd like to see Scannell playing centrally up front, but but these are things that I would just like to see how they work, and I don't think perhaps 
time to do that, perhaps when we can mathematically 100% safe, which is probably no more than a couple of games away. Um, um, and we can start looking at things like that. But uh, it's a game that I expect us to win, um, and perhaps that's a dangerous way of looking at it. And I, and I know a lot of people, and Nick was saying the same, the next three games he expects to win. Um, and I don't know, we don't know how often we win three in a row, but probably not that often. So, uh, But certainly, I think... As I thought with the first, first game of the season, I think the game is there for us to win. Um, well, we need I can, to, we need yeah, to wrap I can give you a few, uh, yeah, few stats uh, I did looked up before coming on air. Um, this season, uh, they've only won three times away from home at Pompey in September, at Bristol City in October, and they last won away at Nottingham Forest on Boxing Day. Um, and their last five away, they've won none, drawn three, lost two. Um, and uh, funnily enough, when you break their goals down into into in this season into intervals of five minutes, they mm. score most most of their goals in the five minute spell between the eighty fifth and ninetieth minute. <laughs> Nine goals oh. a season, so uh, don't leave early. And um, the, the most amazing stat I found today mm. was it is one hundred and seven games since there was a no score involved involving Peterborough. My God. So um, it's all set up for a nil-nil then. That's going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put your money Run on nil-nil. And they've also got, uh, their top scorers, Paul Taylor and Grant McCann, but they've got a new acquisition from Crawley, Tyrone Barnett. And he's a very, very good little player. first goal for Posh yesterday at Doncaster, so keep an eye out for him. But they're not great away from home. Three wins in 20... Uh, um, three wins in, I think, uh, I can't remember how many games now, in seven, seven, 17, three wins in 17. So, um, as you say, it's a definite, it's a definite, um, should win game. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean, obviously you've, you've talked about Bart, Tyrone Barnett there as danger man. The only other one that immediately springs to mind whenever we play Peter Brew is, is George Boyd, who's, um, play a lot of us have, have talked about wanting, wanting to see a sign for us because well, he, he has just come out in the press and said that he's a Palace fan and that his ambition is to play just because we would have been cut off a little bit early um, at the time of the show was cut off we were talking about uh, George Boyd and how he would like to join Palace because he's a Palace fan um, and how he's you know slightly uh, slightly overrated based on current performances uh, but was good a couple of years ago and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it didn't miss too much more, uh, but we were we did give some predictions for the game. Um, I suggested that, uh, that we would certainly be looking to keep a clean sheet, and I felt we'd get a couple of goals. I went with a 2-0. Uh, Mark, what did you go with? Uh, yeah, I agree with you on a clean sheet, but um, rather than be the same, I think I'm going to go for a 3-0 win, a comfortable 3-0 win on Saturday. That was remarkably optimistic, but uh, yeah, I mean, certainly wouldn't have gone for 4-0 against Watford, but we did it. No. <laughs> um, happy days. So, I mean, that was really all you missed, uh, and as well as us saying, obviously, thank you so much to everyone who contributed. Uh, obviously, thank you to Mark for his time. And Mark very nicely said thank you to me as well. Um, those were the things that you missed, but n- nothing major. Um, we'll try, try really, really hard to get the, the, the issues sorted out. Again, I won't, won't bore you with the details, but it relates to something to do with our recording software. There's some sort of weird delay on everything that's uh, it's putting all the, all the music out of sequence and all sorts of other stuff. The problems that you have when your producer disappears in the middle of a run, eh? Um, I hate you, Mikey. But I will find you. Um, 
<laughs> anyway, listen, thank you so much for uh, for downloading the podcast. And, and again, obviously, if you're a, a live listener who's listening back, uh, not only do you get this extra little treat, but you also get me thanking you further. So thank you very much. And, um, and we'll speak to you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.